0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Between the Posts podcast. And just like live football, we are back in action as well. This week we'll analyze the Revier derby between Dortmund and Schalke. My name is Erik Elias and with me here also of Between the Posts, Jose Perez. Jose, welcome.
1: Hi, hi, Erik. And hello, everyone. As, just like Erik, I am so happy to be back. I'm so happy that we have some football that we can talk about now.
0: How have you been? It's been two months since I spoke to you on a podcast. <laughs> uh,
1: so my latest tradition over quarantine has been accumulating a lot of American craft beer. So I will make it a point to just record all of these podcasts with a beer at hand.
0: Okay. How does that affect your uh, how, you, how you can speak? Can you speak better then? Or do you get a bit more elaborate? <laughs> how does it work? Uh, I would like to think that I am more fluent whenever
1: I've I, I drank a bit.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should drown two beers as well before every podcast then. It would make it more easier.
1: Yes, yes. That way, well, it, it will certainly be more fluent. Whether it will make sense or not, that's a different story.
0: Sure. But now, Sirius, how have you been Like during the lockdown? Did you work from home or did you go to work or what happened?
1: Same thing. Just working from home, learning to work from home. Um, I am gonna now. I have. Be, I am becoming more of a Dutch person over time. Over time, I'm becoming an agenda-driven person now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, for me, it's the same. You know, I can work from home. I'm also back at the office one or two times a week. So it's starting to return to normal here in the Netherlands, at least. You said you're changing into a Dutch person. Why is that? Would you like to tell the listener? Sure, uh, that's because I'll be moving into
1: into the Netherlands as soon as this lockdown allows me to. Surprisingly for the listeners, it's not uh, between the posts related; it's something else. But it it, it it's a, it sounds fun, and and yes, it's part it's part of the reason I'm trying to turn myself into a Dutch person now.
0: <laughs> it's a crazy coincidence because the Netherlands is not that big of a country so the fact that we approached you to write for us and this opportunity came along it's quite a coincidence um yeah what we have done with between the post during the lockdown of course no matches means no match reports so what we did was we took the time to write some bigger pieces i think one of the standout pieces was what George manley our author did on the build-up of seven of europe's top teams Um, That's free on our website. So go and uh, read that if you haven't already. And yeah, we did Marco Rose, Gladbach. That was from Joel Parker. Uh, Manasvin did a fantastic job on analyzing Hans Vliek and Bayern. Uh, Also, Joel did a piece on why Mourinho is not succeeding at Tottenham. So a lot of longer articles. But I'm really happy that we are back with match reporting. And yeah, I, I really miss it. I think you did as well because we're both, as we say in the Netherlands, football animals. We, we live football, we sleep football, we breathe football. So I'm really happy it's back.
1: Yes. And, and I think we had, a game, we had an interesting game uh, to, to come back from quarantine. A game in which uh, Dortmund was very clearly uh, ready, ready for the reopening and Schalke not so
0: much. Yes, let's talk about um, how lockdown has affected the football almost at the end. And let's just approach this as if we were watching a normal game under normal uh, circumstances. What we always do is, yeah, we start with formations because that's always a good starting point. And this was one of those matches wherein we saw one of those classical 3-4-3 versus 3-4-3 matches wherein both teams play with three central defenders, two central midfielders two wingbacks and three attackers and i don't like those games because what you see is you get men oriented um, battles all over the pitch when pressing up high how do you watch those kind of games
1: i don't like i don't like them either it, it, and most and mostly it's that like the teams are usually and and the other thing is that a 3-4-3 formation depending on how you take it dortmund uses it very well to uh, mm-hmm. to do a good possession game. But most other teams, uh, sometimes it feels like these formations are too heavy on the wings and not enough people in the middle. So you can often end right. up with these very direct games where teams struggle a lot to build up from from the back. Dortmund did not have this issue today, by the way. No, no,
0: not at all. There was this one season in the Premier League when when uh, Conte switched Chelsea into the three Uh, three at the back formation, and then everyone played three central defenders, and every single week you're watching almost the same game. Mm -hmm. And And in in these 3
1: usually what happens is that you depend a lot on the sensibilities, to put it that way, of your central midfielders, Uh, because they are kind of your only center, and depending on how they move, if they don't move smartly at all, um, you're going to be in trouble. Because that's kind of what summarizes a lot of this game. Uh, yes. Serdar was yes. not... I'm not in, exactly sure what he was doing throughout the game. Actually, he was trying to run behind the fence the entire game, was not involved. Well, and Dahoud was doing very well and moving very smartly across the pitch. And that made a lot of difference between how Schalke built up from the back and how Dortmund built up from the back.
0: Yeah, so let's just start at the beginning. Um, Dortmund almost with their, with their strongest eleven didn't play Jaden Sancho. Unclear as to why. I've tried to look into it, but I didn't, couldn't really find it. And Schalke had a lot of uh, personnel problems, especially in the middle of the pitch. Uh, Stambouli, among others, not available. So they played with a central midfield duo of Suat Serdar and uh, Weston McKennie. And can you, you've done already a little bit, but can you tell the Listeners, why that was not working at all against what Dortmund was doing.
1: So the so if we start talking about the build-up structures about of both teams, uh, Schalke. This uh, while Dortmund was mostly building up with a three plus two, so three at the back and then the two midfielders, Dawood and Delaney. Uh, Schalke was essentially building up with what looked to be kind of a four plus one, uh, but w- with basically McKenny being the only guy in midfield, and he was surrounded by yellow shirts the entire game.
0: Yeah, that didn't really make a lot of sense for me. If we talk about what Schalke did on the ball, it was almost a 4-1-5 formation. (laughs) And like you said, they were totally outnumbered in the middle of the pitch. That didn't make sense at all, what they did on the ball. But I think we predominantly saw a match wherein Dortmund had the ball. Can you... Like, like I said earlier, can you uh, maybe describe how Dortmund attacked all the time? How they attacked the spaces next to and behind the central midfield duo of Schalke, which was defining in the game for me.
1: Yes. So, I think the what I like a lot about uh, the Dortmund setup is that because of the 3-plus-2 structure, um, usually the cent- having just the two central midfielders, they attract... Uh, they attract the midfielders from the other team, both midfielders from the other team, and then they open up spaces behind so that uh, the the players in the front three in this case it was As Brandt and and Ola, can especially Brandt uh, especially Brandt in this case, he can drop deep and often support his midfielders and today he was spectacular in in terms of like the timing of when to show up and he just receives the ball and then and then sends, like, a super pass forward. That's kind of what Dortmund was trying to do the entire game. Like, from their back three, try to find one of these players in between the lines, Uh, a layoff over to one of the... either to one of the wingers or one of the other attackers that were close, and then Hakimi, to to give an example of one of the wingbacks, can then cross into, into the box for a goal, which was basically, I think... Was it the first goal that the one that Oland scored? It was a very similar move. The play, the play there was essentially uh, Pishchik sends the ball to Brandt, layoff to Asak, and then Asak does the does like a low cross into the box for Oland, and that is kind of what that's the entire game plan for Dortmund. That's how they like to play with the ball.
0: Like for me, Dortmund just destroyed Schalke in the half spaces today. For me, like there was no. Yeah, that's a bit of a buzzword maybe, but there was no half space protection. They could never um they could never prevent that from happening. And like like I, I think the the game plan in theory made some sense, like to play a 5 4 1 if they are defending on their own half and higher up the pitch go man for man. I think that made sense from a theoretical point of view, but they just couldn't execute on it at all the entire match. And especially in the first half, the the yeah. I thought Dortmund destroyed them. And I, generally, I genuinely enjoyed Dortmund in the first half, actually, even though you're always looking at the context. Oh, okay, they get a lot of space on the opposing half, but still.
1: Uh, one of the things that called my attention is that in these situations, you would probably expect uh, the centre-backs for Schalke to be a bit more aggressive in how they followed uh, the Dortmund attackers, and that often didn't that often didn't happen. The Dortmund attackers often had the freedom to just uh, drop the and then just appear in between the lines. Those were situ- like it's it's tricky, of course, to do all of that. But Schalke was aiming to match up Dortmund man to man, and in those situations, the Schalke center backs did not follow their man, so that made it that made it a bit easier for Dortmund to overload certain areas with their, with people like Brandt or Asa.
0: Right. Do you want to talk about what Schalke did on the ball and and subsequently the transition, like what we touched on earlier a little bit?
1: Well, I think Schalke was never... They were not really trying to organize themselves with the ball. Like, that was never the plan. They, they didn't plan on spending too much time with the ball, which makes sense. Uh, yes. Sir. I think... I think around the tw- around the twenty fifth minute, there was this very interesting play where, like McKenny recovers the ball, he delivers it quickly to hide it, He does like uh, a, a small combination with a ship and then a cross into the box that almost turned into a, a, into a goal. And to but me,
0: only good opportunity of the first half, and maybe their only solid kind of move that almost turned into a chance.
1: Yes, the thing is that I saw that play and I thought that's probably what their game plan was what they would ideally would have liked to 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 do the most of the game it's just that schalke was not able to pre to press dortmund well well to be more precise uh, it's a bit of dortmund being really good with the ball and schalke in certain aspects just not being compact enough throughout the game
0: yeah so two small points for me on the first half of schalke is one um, whereas I thought their plan off the ball made sense from a theoretical point of view. I think their build-up plan did not make any sense to push up the fullback so high that you get that four-one-five formation that leaves so much space. If you look at the zero-two, 2 that's a direct effect of how they positioned themselves with so many players high up the field. I would never dare to do that against Haaland, against uh, Hazar, against Brandt. Like, it would not cross my mind to push my fullbacks up so high. And they did it anyway. And if you go look back, the zero two, it's direct effect of that.
1: Um, yes. The second. So in that ahead. case, in that case, I think like it was a it was almost like an asymmetrical structure in that Oshipka, the left back, was a bit yeah. more conservative, and then Kenny, the right back, was basically a winger. So because yeah. the, the structure, because Schalke's four one five structure basically had as the widest people, uh, Harid on the left and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kenny on the right, they were the guys who were charged with like pinning the opposition wing backs in yeah. place and then uh, and then Kali uh, Raman and Serda were trying to were trying to run behind uh, the three center backs. The problem with this entire lineup is that it doesn't really promote passing combinations. What usually happened is that uh, well on the right side. Todibo, who was functionally the right back in the bit when when Schalke had the ball, he barely moved forward. Uh, Oshika was often the one who could move forward, but then he didn't really have anyone to combine the ball with because uh, pretty much the front three attackers, which were uh, which were Cerda, Raman and Kalidjoudi, were just trying to run behind defenses. Nobody was really trying to do any combination play to break down a no, defense.
0: No, and it's always a good. It's always a good mix of one has have to, have to go into the ball and the other two has to go behind the defence. And and they may, they miss that that mix all the time. And especially if you play against Picek, for example, or against Homos, who's maybe not as quick as he used to be, I think they they could have gotten a lot more out of that. I expected more of, especially Harit and Haraman, which, which I expected more of to do on the left side of the pitch, Dortmund's right side, but okay,
1: yeah, well, the thing with, I, I like Harit. The problem is that Harit is also the kind of player who will often prefer to, like, dribble past three guys instead of, like, doing a passing combination
0: with someone. Of course, but that's what makes him nice, you know? That's yeah. that's why, initially, in that season with Tedesco, with that crazy midfield, with Max Meyer at six, and, I mean, Harit at eight, and a third player, maybe, maybe Rudy. I don't know for sure. That's why we like him in the first place, because he dribbles like 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 a, like a, little, like a little devil, you know? doesn't Mm -hmm. pass the ball at all sometimes so that's fun um if one of the listeners can tell me who was the third midfielder in that shalken midfielder i'd be grateful and let's go into the second half um little side note you can do five substitutions now presumably done because a the fitness levels have been deteriorating and b to prevent injuries after a time of distorted team training um that's kind of fun you know especially for us as tactics head you can managers can do a lot more now with five subs like you can change your game plan two or three times if you want to and you can bring on relevant player profiles to fit the tasks that they had to do so i thought that was fun
1: yes although of course it will always benefit the more talented teams that have like bigger bigger more talented squads for example a team like manchester city would love something like this because they have a lot of squad to take advantage of
0: Sure. But of course, I I, I tell this in the context of this game because um, Wagner, Schalke manager David Wagner, uh, put on two players, made a double substitution at halftime. I don't think he would have done that with only three subs at his disposal. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you maybe tell a little bit about what was different from the first and the second half?
1: Yes. So in the case of Schalke, so the substitutions that we had were Matondo and and Burgstaller for Raman and Todibo. So what happened here is that Schalke switched from the 3-4-3 that they were using to mirror Dortmund. They switched to uh, what was essentially a a 4-4-2 diamond, at least when they were pressing. Uh, You would think that a 4-4-2 diamond, which is a formation that is more centrally compact, would improve a bit your midfield play. And to a certain degree, I think it helped. So what happened here is that uh, both uh, Harid and Kali Djuri were playing a bit more as if they were the interior midfielders. So they were playing more on the inside. Uh, so that did help a bit uh, Schalke's ability to play through the middle. But th- more the 4-plus-1 structure that we talked about in the first half, it still remained. And you still had many times when McKenney was, was basically just in front of a bunch of yellow shirts and had no one uh, to pass to. And sometimes it got really bad because Kenny, the right back, would still join the attack. So, they were, so Schalke ended up committing even more men forward than they were doing in the first half. And that killed them very quickly because 48th minute, just as the second half started, they got like the massive counter where they got another goal scored against sure.
0: them. But, but one side note, I don't think it's very strange for a fullback to push up when they play a 4 4 2 diamond. Most of the times, the fullbacks have, have that role in, to provide the width, you know. But I just think that with the profiles left in midfield, which was not a very defensive midfield, those four midfielders from Schalke that formed the diamond. That made them very vulnerable, and once again, you're playing against Holland. You're playing against Hazard, so of course, it was already a losing match. But still, it was kind of risky. More risky, yeah. First half was was risky as well, but
1: yeah, like this one was. That, this one was a bit worse it. because, uh, like before, in the first half, they ended, They often could end up like with a bad situation. that was like a, but it was still like a three plus one against a Dortmund counterattack for example in the one that happened in the goal they basically just had a two plus like they just had three players at the back it was just a, a two plus one with poor McKenney.:
0: I thought he, he did a good job like like of, of, of keeping going like he had a good motor on him but both in and out of possession I think he played a very bad game
1: i think he's a pretty sober player but he was of course in this situation he was mostly overrun and yes it can be a bit hard to distinguish was it his fault or was it just a problem with the system
0: yeah but if we play on the ball if you you talk about sober and they play in a three plus one build up and he is the one midfielder then you cannot be always sober then you have to play vertical but that's a little little That's uh, that's not very important for the overall for the overall picture of the game um you said Schalke played four for two diamonds off the ball, which was I agree with you and was organized and stuff, but I was not sure what their formation was at, at one time at the second half. Like on the ball, do you think everybody was on the same page for them? Because I saw, I, I thought they were all over the place in position
1: it got worse it it got even worse over time like there were um, there were especially cuz like i'm going to be honest after like the after the fourth goal I basically left the game but there were even times before that goal where you just saw like a lot of transit again like schalke in the in the first half already didn't have much of a midfield it was even more transit <laughs> through the midfield area uh doing certain sections of the second half like the midfield diamond did not make did not make them have more of a midfield during the second half, for sure.
0: That's strange, because that's normally a formation wherein, as you said earlier, you have a lot of central control if Mm -hmm. you do well. Um, So you mentioned briefly the fourth goal by Guerrero, who scored two goals in this game. Um, That finish from him with his outside left, that totally completed for me the feeling that I was watching like a training session or something, like, I'm going to transition smoothly into the the post match here, so Dortmund wins 4-0. But how did we experience this football? Because as I, as I said, for me, uh, by the way, one last comment I would like to add in,
1: on that goal. Yeah, sure. uh, it's yeah. just one of those where it also you also notice that players are not as focused as they as they normally are, because in that one, like Sonic, completely lost track of Guerre- of Guerrero's run, like sure, just. When Guerrero can, ran behind him, he forgot that Guerrero existed.
0: I, I agree with you. that was bad defending from him him as well as from uh, Kenny, but that can happen in a full stadium as well. like I, I'm not sure that's because of losing focus or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like Fair. we see defensive mistakes as well. But um, another side note to that goal was Haaland, who dropped and played the through ball. Whereas a lot of people think he's not that good in the link up play and stuff. He did very nice there. So that's nice. Yeah, this football, this kind of football without fans, you can hear everything. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that it felt, it felt to me a bit like watching a training session, but I don't mean that as a negative because for me, an 11 versus 11 training session can be really interesting. And once again, for us as tactics lovers, the tactics don't really change. What changes is well, maybe a little bit the technical decisions, maybe maybe psych- maybe players maybe player- players are a bit more daring if there are no fans booing them if it goes wrong, and maybe that that's a bit different. I think the mental side of it is hugely different mm-hmm. and the physical side now is different because the training has been has been so distorted in the past uh few months, but for you as a watcher like how how did you Watch the game. How did you feel it? How did you drink it in?
1: I do think that teams that base their structure more on what they do with the ball could mm-hmm. have uh, a bit of an advantage over teams that base their structure right. without the ball, more based on physique. Because yeah. in those cases, if you mess up the compactness like Schalke did, then you're screwed. But the more talented teams that have better players on the, with the ball it's a mm-hmm. bit easier to build from that.
0: Yeah, so, so two points on that. One, we said a lot of times in this podcast that Schalke played bad, and they did, but I have totally so much empathy for that because if you look at what happened from one day to another, there's not, they were not allowed to train. Players were playing from home. Well, then your tactical understanding automatically deteriorates. That's just not so hard to imagine. Then they can return to training, but there is no contact, no physical contact allowed. So you do some, huh? some little bit passing exercises, maybe, maybe some tactical work, but without physical dueling. And then for two weeks, you can train and then you have to play again. Yeah, if you put that in relation to the normal situation that's going on normally in a season, it must be so much harder to put together a coherent team performance. And I have a lot of empathy for soccer that they played bad today, a lot more than normally. And two, to to touch on what you said, well, maybe it's true. Maybe the, the, the teams that play more from a defensive point of view that need more technical understanding, maybe they will suffer the most from the lockdown. Maybe in three weeks it will be all be normal again. I don't know. But what I do know is that this match, you shouldn't be too hard on teams now because the situations, the, the circumstances have been totally uncomparable to what it has been normally.
1: Yes, it's like be uh, don't be too hard on the teams. Definitely don't be as hard on the teams as Dortmund was on Schalke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice one to conclude it all. Um yeah, next week hopefully we will be back with another Bundesliga game. We are kind of, you know, doing the Bundesliga now because there's not a lot of other football going on. So yeah, let's go. I'm looking forward to it already because it is a little bit of a of a how do you say it? In these times, it's, it's good to have your mind on something else.
1: Definitely. I mean, we could also start covering Korean League, you know? They also, yeah. They're also
0: playing. When I was a student and I had like buckets of time, I watched Japanese football like I did. So if we're going to the J League, then why not? I'm all for it. I presume
1: the Japanese League is stronger than the
0: Korean League? Yes, it is. It is, yeah. but it's, uh, let's not talk about this on this podcast. I'll I'll, I'll tell it to you one time. Um, thanks for listening. We're back every week, so we will be back next week as well. We're covering uh, all Bundesliga
1: games, by the way, this weekend.
0: I promised to all the readers we would do nine match reports and one post-match podcast. So for now, the podcast is out, and we probably have some match reports on the site, so go check them out um subscribe leave a rating that helps us to be find found by other tactical hats like you are and thanks a lot for listening i'll see you next week
1: and yeah i'll see you next week too and and hope we can keep talking about football how was your beer oh really good i've had better ones but still pretty good
0: right i'm drinking sparkling water so you're definitely the winner here okay next next time you bring your own beer you bring your own beer oh no 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 no. i don't drink uh while i'm working (laughs) no joke okay thanks for listening see y'all next week bye bye see you people